thank goodness we won't be getting exams because <laughs> the, the last nine weeks it's just been a struggle. This is Susan Chestnut of the Chestnut Law Firm. This is my podcast from foster care to family law, a child welfare focus. I was raised in the foster care system. I was a child abuse investigator for the Department of Children and Families. And now I'm an attorney practicing family law where my passion is to focus on the best interests for the children involved. In my podcast, I will be meeting with industry experts exploring the seemingly impossible scenarios that families often struggle to manage. Each episode will include insights and concepts from professionals that deal with these issues every day. This is Susan Chestnut. I'm with my friend, Leah Blythe, and she also goes by Lepresti. She and I met at Exchange Club of Indian River County. We've been friends since then, and she's a teacher at Indian River Charter High School who's been teaching for 27 years. Thanks for coming on with me today to talk to everybody, Leah. Thanks, Susan. So you've had quite a roller coaster ride in the last couple months, haven't you? Yeah, it's been exciting from, uh, it's been an adventure, I'd say, since two months ago when uh, it was announced that we would close down the, the school right. and go virtual. How much notice uh, did you get that that was going to happen? Well, we, I think the school was kind of, the director might have been thinking that we might have a week built in. But when the county decided to shut down, we went full force and we're ready to go. Everybody was working as a team together. I think we got the announcement on a Thursday and met on a Friday. I might have my days slightly mixed up, but everyone, all the teachers were ready to stay after work and go to one or two workshops, working out the plan. And some people would come in during the weekend and uh, get what they needed knowing that they'd be working from home. Some teachers uh, did stay at the school and because our school's so separated, the teachers could work in their room. But then the Monday and Tuesday following the announcement, we had uh, several workshops that were about one or two hours and everybody just really worked on getting their computers placed at home, getting set up for uh, classes on Thursday and Friday before spring break. And so we had a trial run. The kids came and picked up their computers. We, all the teachers sanitized their classroom set and the kids signed out a computer to themselves. Luckily we had a, a computer per uh, student. And so that made it really convenient. And the students already knew how to use them, their Chromebooks, and they've been working very well. And a lot of our classes have been using uh, technology along with it but there's been a huge learning curve. When, after spring break, when we started, or even during spring break, a lot of the teachers worked either a good portion or the entire spring break getting videos, learning how to make a video, how to edit a video, and then upload it, how to even make a a YouTube page. We do not work live uh, one-on-one with the students, And so you really have to think, and and I think experience really helps. You have to really think about how you're going to present that material on a video that where you can foreshadow what kids will even ask and what they'll say. And so experience helps with that. So the younger teachers or maybe teachers with less experience 
might have had that challenge as to how to to get a concept across, but they had the technology experience. Mm -hmm. So a huge learning curve for everyone. As a matter of fact, as we started off, uh, initially there were, we probably overwhelmed students with assignments. And you'll, I think you'll hear that from a lot of parents and the kids, you know, it was, it took getting used to, but now that we've been doing it a month and a half, a lot of the kids say, I understand, you know, each teacher's procedure and how to weave my way through their demands. As a teacher, it has really helped. I can't emphasize it enough to have known the students for, let's see, we've gone through three, nine weeks for three times nine, 27, 27 weeks to know their personalities and their limitations and how to either approach that student or give them a little bit less or a little bit more if they need it, whether it's instruction or work. And what we've learned is cut the work in half. And then when you think you've cut it in half, cut it in half again, because often it is just too much with all that's going on at home and every home is different. Parents have lost their jobs. Yeah, it's hard. It's it's definitely a lot of adjustment for every single person. Are you seeing individually, because I'm getting the impression from you that you had the opportunity to get to know your students. And so have you seen some of them struggle? Well, it, it depends on the struggle. It could be the fact that they're such social individuals mm-hmm. that they are starving to be around uh, their friends. And that is their motivation to go to school. There are some individuals that actually really want to be there for the information to learn. And they are often the individuals that are able to stay stay so self-focused on uh, an online school environment. But that's really difficult. There's so few individuals that can do that. And then there's some who love the fact that they can do their work at 10 o'clock at night and work until 2 a.m. and then sleep. But we also have the challenge of kids getting online and playing computers all night and then never getting their work done. I mean, it the range is vast. And mm-hmm. then everybody comes from a different style of home and parenting. So it's, it, that's why it's so important to know the individual. I don't I can't imagine being a Florida virtual school teacher mm-hmm. and not having that initial connection with kids. Since you had that ability before you, it, you're working out of your home, right? Oh yeah. I took a closet and split it in half, put up a sheet so that I could make videos, <laughs> never made <laughs> videos before, uh, that whole learning curve, it's huge. and then to listen to parents I, I've so yeah I'm working out of home I've got my computer I brought my work computer home thank goodness for our technology department which is one person Laura has done a phenomenal job and because she will call us she'll send us instructional uh, clips or videos on how to handle our computers if they don't work and our professional development or curriculum I can't remember 
uh, title. Sorry, Greg, can't remember your title, but he's, um, <laughs> he showed us all sorts of wonderful Google apps to use to experiment with and reminded us to keep it simple. Just keep it simple. Only learn one or two things and and proceed from there. Well, you said so keep it. Great support. You said keep it simple, but I saw a video on your Facebook page that saw that you have three monitors, and you were talking earlier about making videos. And I would I would think that's for maybe your visual learners who who learn by oh, seeing. Abs- absolutely, actually, we use a, a commonly accepted uh, textbook uh, uh, publisher uh, who has online material for biology. And they do have an exceptional website, but sometimes you have to simplify it and sometimes uh, make it more complex. I also teach chemistry and we don't have enough textbooks for everyone to take one home. And so I had to, that's where I had to really step it up with instructional videos and how to work problems. Biology, I would just use, I would go through the module instructions, basically a checklist of what students would do. And if they needed any more explanation, I'd make additional videos and post them. Well, that's fantastic. Now, that sounds like something you've done yourself. I mean, did you get a lot of guidance or direction? Is it your 27 years experience that's helping you get through this? Oh, I absolutely think so. You know, when you teach, you look at all different resources and you look to other teachers to see what uh, really works with them. Mm -hmm. Online, there are phenomenal educational videos. And if you take from those what really works or use those and have the kids focus on one area, there's an app called Edpuzzle where you can use any video from YouTube or make your own and then periodically inject questions. And the frustrations for teachers is that a lot of the times there's a breakdown in how these apps work or the textbook online uh, material doesn't work completely, whether someone didn't edit it or what. So, and that's a real frustration for the kids. And I tell them, if I get three complaints, we'll throw that assignment out. We just don't, won't even do it. Don't even worry about it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So you just, flexibility is key in a situation like this where everybody's dealing with something different. Yeah, absolutely. So with your children, have you, I know you were seeing them as a teacher, you probably saw them on a regular basis. How are you maintaining that communication and that relationship with them now? That was within a week, I thought, wow, how do I keep these guys connected? And I'm sure many of the teachers were expressing, you know, what can we do to reach out to the kids? because we couldn't do anything live. We use something called GoGuardian so that we can see what websites are on on the Chromebooks that they use. And that way, if they're on a particular problem, we can help them with that problem. So at first, couldn't contact them. So what I tried to do is just use their name on these texted or chatted group, like as a whole class, these announcements or individually say good morning to each one of them, just their name, you know, kind of a sales tactic. But finally, we were able to use this app, GoGuardian, and uh, video, or it's not videotape, but do a live announcement so the kids can see us. They can only chat with us, like a text. 
but that allowed uh, a teacher to show their personality or say something. And so what I started off with, and some parents have said to me that other teachers they've encountered have done this too, doing shout outs to kids. Oh, nice. Whether you do a shout out to the whole group or because some kids aren't on, you only do shout outs to the ones that are on there, but you don't want to do that too long because then they'll discover, hey, wait, not everybody's online. You mean I don't have to be online right now? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so you have to think of the psychology of the kids as you go through. So that's really been the main way to to visually connect with them is they can see us, we cannot see them. And then just this past week, I started making phone calls to every one of my students. I have about 140 students and I think I've gotten, I've called this week, 120 of them approximately. Wow. So, and it's just a quick call, you know, hey, how are you doing? Are you overwhelmed? We only have two weeks left, which brings in the subject of exams. Thank goodness we won't be getting exams. Because <laughs> the, the last nine weeks, it's just been a struggle. If anybody was, mm-hmm. any kid was able to hang in there, mm-hmm. they did a phenomenal job, really. I mean, uh, because there's just so many different circumstances. Jobs or taking care of grandparents or where the bigger kids have to teach the little kids. Mm-hmm. And what's more important to learn the uh, essentials of reading when you're in elementary school or to learn biology? Well, hey, biology is really important. We're dealing with a virus right now. But for those little ones to learn the reading, the writing, and the simple math is absolutely essential for the years to come. So so everybody has different priorities as they should. How would you rank the engagement of your students, like percentage-wise? Would you say most are engaged? So it depends on how you rank engagement because when I'm on our Go Guardian, I have anywhere from... 20 to 60%, no, 20 to 70% online during class time. Mm-hmm. So it, that varies. But there's so many of them that get on in the evening because I deal with teenagers and they just, their brain is functioning better then. They don't have as many responsibilities in the uh, later evening. So if they're disciplined enough and get on in the late evening, they're doing really well. I'm absolutely with my chemistry students and what they've done really and my bio students I don't want to leave them out but <laughs> but to, to try to do chemistry on your own that's that's impressive mm-hmm. so. so do you think then that with that particular age group that there might be some future accommodations that you might make as a teacher because of what you've experienced making these adjustments well I think it'll be interesting to see how just education changes and how we have to be prepared uh, for whatever comes our way. Adjustments have to be made everywhere because you have special ed students and the numbers of special ed students are so high. You really have to accommodate to everyone, uh, even though special ed students have the written accommodations. Everyone has a different situation and different learning styles. So that's my opinion. I don't know how things will fold. I'm not an administrator. I'm just a little teacher. But I think we're going to really have to see more hand washing 
and really drill it into kids of uh, computer use. There's yes. going to have to be, I would hope, again, I'm not an administrator, but only one kid using a computer at a time. And within the elementary schools, we're going to have to have more education. And the kids take that education home, which mm-hmm. is extremely important. Mm-hmm. And they pass it through their families, too. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I do see huge changes. Well, specifically for my daughter, she never really mentioned, you know, they had their wheel classes where they would do their computer work, but it didn't sound to me that computers were that much of an integral part of their daily learning. And it seems now that technology is a a very popular method, obviously, it's what we've had to resort to, but it's very useful. I mean, surely there's some things that you feel that you've done while you've been off campus that you will incorporate that in the future into your teaching when you return. Oh yeah, these these videos I'll mm-hmm. use and improve and it's great when there's a substitute. I talk about my own experience where I work, but there is such a variety with every school and the accessibility to technology and the amount that's available and different thoughts about technology, how it takes away, but it also gives, mm-hmm. you know, everybody has their different thoughts on how much to use it and not use it because you're dealing with every type of individual in the world. So it it's going to take our state governments or at whatever level to really reassess the technology and how much they provide and keep it updated and what's allowable and what's not allowable. There's gonna to have to be a real reassessment on that. I, I know that for my school situation, my own personal experience with it, it went very smoothly. There was adjustments, mm-hmm. but for the most part, it went really smoothly. And I've even heard kids say that, which I, I'm so impressed with them. You know, when they say adult things like that, mm-hmm. they even thought that. But with every school, there's gonna be a need to reassess what, how they do things. How have yeah. you seen parents make the adjustment? I know there's, there's a, it seems a lot more hands off right now, but yet the teachers are more accessible, I think, than they ever have been before. I've gotten a lot of emails from parents expressing an awareness now of the challenges of teaching when a kid's having difficulty and a parent can't help for whatever reason because some other adult is with their own personality is asking them to get something done and the kid knows really more what's going on than the parent does because it's a whole new style of teaching whether it's online or a different way of teaching so it's it's extremely difficult and i think it's been eye-opening for parents but still a professional teacher works with so many different personalities all at the same time and trying to reach not just the personalities but teaching levels that there's so much more to even being aware of than even just uh, your own child when it's when you're talking about the profession of teaching Mm -hmm. but yeah parents have become extremely awakened as to i think what it takes to educate their own child. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I have quite a few employees of my own and 
a lot, many of them have children and some of them have been struggling because we've been still working. They've been working from home. A lot of them with small children. And I know some of them have children that are struggling in school. I mean, how does a parent, how do you recommend a parent balance that? Do, do they reach out to you and they let you know that they're struggling? I mean, what do you suggest? I have a coworker who during our conferences, her children are crawling all over her and she cannot work until they're asleep and the household is quiet and organized so that she can even function mm -hmm. the next day to keep her kids going. So she only, you know, she has far more limitations than I do. And the, I don't necessarily have a suggestion, sorry, for, for parents, but I do have a suggestion for teachers Okay, is that they have to be accommodating and understand that people each are walking through different experiences and they have teachers must be flexible, more flexible than they've ever been in this type of situation mm -hmm. and know that everyone's really just trying to do the absolute best they can to, to, the, you know, everyone's having so many different struggles, whether socially, at home, money, accessibility to food, it's endless. So everybody's lives have, have been changed. So it's important for teachers to be flexible and for parents to be flexible too, that the teachers are learning just as, as everybody's people, everybody's learning. Now, since you're wrapping up the school year, how are you all supposed to gauge at this point? I mean, did you have enough grade history before everything happened to know where we go? You know, I mean, some children are struggling and they may not be able to pass. I, I know that there are children who are looking like they're not going to pass, but is it because of what's happened, you know, in the last month or two? Is it the whole school year? How do you tell as a teacher what the next step is for that child to progress academically? Well, our faculty has gotten guidance from our administration and it's very reasonable guidance. I don't want to misquote, you know, any, any, anything that it's the way I perceived it, but it, it's really, a, teachers have to look at past performance first nine weeks, second nine weeks, third nine weeks, and can look at the last nine weeks too, but really the, it's, it's, it's so difficult to give somebody a grade for what they were able to achieve this nine weeks. Uh, attendance has been essential, absolutely essential. The school where I work, we took attendance based on a question a day for every subject. And because they're high school students, they had until midnight to answer that question. Mm -hmm. And again, their schedules may be different than other people's. So they had till midnight to answer their attendance questions. And that was absolutely essential was attendance. And then from there, they did the work that they were able to and teachers have an understanding of their personalities and background. And so that will play into it as to the quality of, of the uh, work that they were able to produce. Mm -hmm. So the first three, nine weeks definitely play into it. The Indian River County has a chart as to guide the teachers, what the 
based on the students' grades from the first nine weeks and the second nine weeks, and then the third nine weeks, and I believe the fourth, I have to look at it again to really uh, get a grip on it, but I think the fourth nine weeks is on there too. So, so they've given you at least some guidance. What about summer school? Are you guys going to be doing that at all, or will it be virtual? Uh, our school does not offer summer school, mm-hmm. so I'm not sure how that will be handled. I think though that based on their grades, they either move on. If they had not performed the first three nine weeks, they will probably repeat those mm-hmm. that subject or that semester. So. There's going to be a lot of, still, everybody's learning, and there's going to have to still be a lot of adjustments. Now, you are teaching high schoolers. What's your age range that you teach? I have ninth graders through uh, 12th graders. Sometimes I do get uh, a few 13-year-olds in in ninth grade. And we do also, because of a special ed stretch all the way through, I think the legal age is 21 or 22, that students, if, if they uh, have special ed issues, can can stay within the public schools. Mm-hmm. So sometimes we have older kids too. And I get all that whole range Okay. Of, based on the subjects I teach. What would you say is the, the most common complaint that you're getting from your students about school not being in person and doing the virtual distance learning? Oh, too. It's too much work. <laughs> the, the teachers just loaded it on. I avoided and, online classes when I was in college because they're always the hardest. Yeah. They always are the yeah. hardest. They put the most work on you because they think the answers are right there in front of you. Yeah, and ha- and trying to, to do it all on your own and keep up, stay motivated. Mm-hmm. And for a teenager to be motivated, oh my goodness. Or a little person where they're, you know, a five-year-old ha- might have a five-minute attention span. A 10-year-old might have a 10-minute att- attention span. Mm-hmm. And yet they're supposed to sit at a computer that doesn't do anything with them. You know, I mean, it might have some interaction. So that that is really a challenge. What about the socialization? Oh, absolutely. That's huge. I even, I've had some kids express to me two or three of them. And so if there's two or three, there's nine or 20 of them or more. Mm-hmm. Because teenagers are just, they are social creatures. They're developing those skills. And so they have such a difficult time. They even try to use social media, but it's just not enough sitting there and really feeling the energy that somebody's giving off or joking with them or, you know, just a little jostle, a little punch to them or, you know, whatever it is to, to joke with somebody, they don't, they don't have that. And we have a lot of arts, performing arts students, visual and performing arts students. And to be on your own and not be able to exchange ideas constantly Mm. with others or have that stimulation, the social stimulation to motivate, not just motivate you, but to to promote that creativity within you. Our dance students have had such a challenge. I think really for the drama and dance and the art students, it has been such a challenge not to be in that, that environment with their teachers and their peers. Hmm. That must be really so, hard. What, what about the kids that don't get to walk the stage for their senior year. Have you been hearing from them? 
Well, I didn't, I only have two seniors this year and my home base, which is like a home room, are juniors. They are a phenomenal group of people. I love them. Mm -hmm. And, but then they'll graduate next year and hopefully we'll be past this, but it's been really fun to watch where the creativity comes in and how to celebrate graduation or prom. We've done the everybody dress up in their gowns or their tuxes or and share the pictures. For graduation, teachers went by to their home bases, all their kids in their home base, which is usually about 25 students. And they went to each one of those homes and put signs in Aww. the yards or decorated cards. That's so neat. So, so that teacher went to 25 different homes and and really celebrated that that individual or i've seen one teacher and her seniors all did a parade for her and they had their cars all decorated i mean what a way to be honored as a teacher to have 25 students drive by your house Mm -hmm. hooting and hollering and woo graduation yeah, it was, it was really great, and what a great way to be honored. That yeah. is amazing. Yeah, yeah. You mentioned connecting. The first time I had an IEP meeting, and it was one of these Zoom events. The young student that came on with their mother on the screen, I saw her. I hollered out her name. I was so excited to see her. I mean, it was just, you know, you haven't seen these people and they're wonderful people. You haven't seen them for a month mm-hmm. and they are your motivation for being there every day. And boy, you know, all those elementary school teachers with all the little hugs they get and everything, and they're not getting all those hugs throughout the day and the high fives and the, oh, it, it is, a, that's why people go into education is for those people that they're going in to serve Mm -hmm. to to educate and so as a teacher it's really challenging not to have those people around you and to get that feedback to hear their conversations to you know spread what you think is wisdom (laughs) (laughs) so so it's 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 it will be really nice in the fall i hope we get to go back i predict we will that's my own prediction mm-hmm. who knows but it, it's important to have that connectivity it is we are social beings it's so important oh absolutely I mm-hmm. saw that you know there are ways that you can be learning without actually doing schoolwork, like puzzles or cooking or can you speak on that a little bit yeah absolutely I at our school we have what I said is a home base, it's like homeroom, but we work with our students to, they all have a chore every week that they have to do at the school, whether it's sweeping or mopping or cleaning the tables. So I've, I've noticed that many students, not a lot, but many don't have that experience. And so it's really nice that they're spending this time at home where their parents might have the time now mm-hmm. to to ask them to do something. Or this, the kid feels that they have this responsibility now to their family. And that should be the priority, is making that 
as a teenager, making that house function, right. being a part of the team at home and, and doing those chores. Absolutely. And so it's a really nice time where kids can spend time with their parents, hopefully, if that, if it's that type of a home situation that they can learn how to change the oil uh, mm-hmm. on a car, sweep, do the dishes, clean the bathrooms. Right. That's, that's important. All those skills are important and belonging to the family, feeling that sense of family. I think that's something kids will walk away from this with is feeling far more a part of their family and connected with their family through after this and through this. I think so too. I think so too. Plus I've been able to spend more time with my children and I've been able to see them doing what they're doing and they've been able to see me doing what I'm doing. I've been working from yeah. home. They had no idea that I could go to court over the video like I'm talking to you and they didn't they've never seen me in my lawyer capacity. Maybe a couple times they've come to court, but in general they don't our worlds are so different. We're, and we do, we do our lives and then we come back home and I, it's been an opportunity for all of my family to see and to be a part of that, that little small community within our house. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. The kids are having time to spend with their parents. I know that some of my students there, there's family members that are sick. And so this has been a time where they can actually really have quality time with those family members too, where it's school is, is, was, isn't weighing on them as much. And mm-hmm. so there's that real quality time with, with people, their family. So. Yeah. Do you think parents can carry on some of this? because the children are having to do a little bit of independent learning, right? It's a little bit at their own pace. Do you oh, think absolutely. do you think parents can encourage that behavior throughout the summer? Are you encouraging parents and families to do that? As far as are you asking education or yes, involvement yes. in um, both, education? either or? I think keeping things somewhat normal is is good and our normal at at our school is to have say reading, reading lists, to achieve that. As far as academics for my class, for science, it's more of relaxation unless somebody wants to get involved in camps. And that's a challenge is that throughout the world, camps, will they exist this summer? I don't know. Will everything be online? Will people be able to access our incredible community of the Environmental Learning Center, the Audubon House on Oslo, FAU, Harbor Branch. Harbor Branch has incredible programs for teenagers where they can even work alongside of scientists doing their research and and collect the data. We have such a phenomenal community here. So all of those things, all of those events, can kids be involved and will it continue just online and i say just online there's nothing like being in that place right next to those people interacting with them watching people's responses and learn just all the little nuances about a situation Mm -hmm. you just can't get it from from the internet so hopefully we 
we uh, can figure out ways to bring that back to our community. Hopefully, hopefully. So is there any parting advice that you would give to these children as they're wrapping up the end of the school year, things that they can maybe take to heart about the gravity or, you know? Hopefully, they've had guidance, uh, whether through teachers, through education, in reflecting on all of this because they'll each take something different away. So I think constant reflection or, you know, reflecting on what they gained from it is really important. And hopefully understanding that those are some attributes or learned experiences that they want to continue, that they've really gained a better understanding of their family Mm -hmm. and how strong that bond is. And hopefully they've really had a chance to create a stronger bond with their families. Excellent. All right. Well, thank you so much for being here with me today. Any, anything else you'd like to say to anybody? Uh, thank you, Susan. Thanks for the opportunity. And I've got to tell you, I think you can tell I'm a real advocate of where I work and the administration and the faculty where I work. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have really worked hard for our community. And I really appreciate the faculty I work with and my administration. So. Well, fantastic. It sounds like they've really pitched in and been there along the way. It really does. We're working hard. I think every teacher is, everybody gets into education uh, because they really want to uh, teach those young minds. And so everybody is really, they really try. Well, fantastic. I appreciate you and, and all the other teachers out there. I know it's been difficult. You've made a lot of adjustments emotional you know you miss your kids you're struggling you want to do the best job that you can you know but you're still human and it's as much as everything's been happening we very much appreciate what you're doing for our kids we really do leah and boy thank you so much but you're Susan, welcome. parents have really boy they have really worked hard <laughs> yep yeah Good. it's been a challenge yeah all right then thank you so much thanks susan you're welcome Thanks for listening to this episode of From Foster Care to Family Law, a Child Welfare Focus. I hope that this interview provided some valuable insight to help you deal with your unique circumstances. If you found this episode useful, please share this with friends and family that could benefit from this information. If you have a family law need or related matter, please contact me directly and I will be happy to help you.